0: The question of the day on Soccer Weekly is, who are we and where are we at? It's not a question I can answer. This is not a topic. This is me asking, who is the United States men's national team in soccer right now? Where are we at? I don't have an answer. We played two games in the course of about four days against Mexico and Uruguay. Five days, whatever it was. I still don't have an answer. This is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Dunholm here on the home of world football in Southern California, the home of the black and gold, LAFC, ESPN, LA 710. And for the next hour, I'm talking international football for the most part. We'll mix in a little bit of MLS expansion later, just a little bit of stuff. But mostly, I got big top. Who are we? I know we missed the World Cup in 2018. That can never happen again. I want to go on record as saying, whether I was right or wrong was still to be determined, but I wasn't opposed to hiring Greg Berhalter. Would he have been my first choice? No. My first choice was the manager he managed against in the game against Mexico, Tata Martino. I wasn't opposed, though, to hiring Greg burhalter. I don't think he's a bad manager. I think he's got some interesting ideas. But... I will say this. One of the dangers of hiring a guy like Greg Burhalter. And there are a couple. But one of the dangers can be summed up in two people. Jossie Zardes and Will Trapp. That's the danger of hiring a guy like Greg Berhalter. You bring him in from MLS and he's fallen in love with a couple of his MLS players. Now, that's not to say that Will Trapp and Jossie hadn't gotten looks. Of course. It's not like they, he brought them from the scrap heap and they don't even really belong. You know, like Of course. They had played with the U.A. I get it. But he seems to be in love with these guys. And that's the danger. When you hire a coach from a club team with those kind of ties, with the people you're about to work with potentially for the national team, That you love these dudes too much. And maybe you're a little blinded by it. Or maybe you think they fit in so well to what you're trying to do that they can help others around. Yikes. The U.S.-Mexico game wasn't as bad as the 3-0 indicates. And I don't care what anyone says. I tell the truth here. Mexico fully deserved to win. They're better than us. They played better and they deserved to win. But it wasn't like... The Chile-Mexico 7-0 threat, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was 1-0 in the 76th minute or 75th minute. And Mexico got a couple of late goals that they deserved. So they should be happy with the win. Now Mexico fell on their face yesterday against Argentina, so they're not happy, even though they beat their biggest rival, the United States. So that was short-lived. And we'll get to the U.S.-Uruguay game, in which the United States actually put in a pretty decent effort, too. Uruguay came in with a good lineup, played well. Don't know why you're playing in a baseball stadium in St. Louis, but that's another topic for another day. But back to that Mexico. The danger of hiring a guy like Greg Berhalter is Jossie Zardes and Will Trapp. And I love Jossie Zardes. One of the nicest dudes, one of the best dudes around. Right? As a professional athlete, there's not too many like him, frankly. I've been around professional sports my whole career. And so take that out of it. This has nothing to do with them personally, not because they were with the Columbus crew or anything like Jossi Jossie Zardes, just doesn't provide enough as a starting striker at the national level. Hasn't. And Will Trapp just doesn't belong. He's not good enough at that level. And that was compounded by the Uruguay game, when they slid in a guy from uh, one of the teams we sports hate the most here in Southern California, the San Jose Earthquakes, Jackson Yule, young kid, looked far greater in that position and far more comfortable. Again, I don't look. Here's the thing about Will Trapp. Again, I, I, nothing personal. I don't know that he's that good in MLS anymore. I kind of think the league is caught up and, and passed him by just in MLS, let alone the U.S. national team. That's the danger I have with a guy like Burhalter Blinders on when it comes to those former Columbus crew players. Christian Pulisic was out there running in that game. He's good. We have to grow the team around him to reach that level. We do. Because there's not enough around him right now, whether it's Zardes or what. We have to grow this team. You got to build around him. And... That is what I fear about a guy like Greg Berhalter with that American coach mentality that no one player is going to be, we're not building around just one player. No, you have to. I liked what I saw of Alfredo Morales. Not everything worked, and he had his moments that were a little shaky against Mexico, but I also liked some of the things he did. I liked him enough that I want to see a lot more of him. And I like the fact that he went toe-to-toe with Mexico and didn't bow back down. But the thing about Mexico that so encapsulates El Tri, if I can spend a minute on them, right? These two friendlies kind of absolutely tell you all you need to know about Mexico. 3-0 against the U.S. 4-0 thrashing at the hands of Argentina without Messi, right? So it got messy with a Y. But here's what you need to know about Mexico. Why it's so all-encompassing in a sense. When it's going well for Mexico, right? Oh, boy. When they smell blood, oh, look out. El Tree will absolutely take you behind the woodshed. When they smell blood in the water, it is shark week with El Tree. They'll go, they, when it's going well, oh, boy. You are in deep trouble as their opponent. When it's not going well, and a little adversity comes along with this group, boy, they crumble. House of cards. And you got to hit them on the right night. And the United States, the, the, Mexico has no fear of the U.S. right now, nor should they. And that's a, that's a bad place to be if you're the U.S., but, man, when Mexico starts to crumble a little bit, yee, it is all or nothing with this El Tri team. Latoro Martinez lit them up, and it was all in quick succession. And don't give me, I mean, look, we know, we know the struggles Argentina has sometimes with Messi. This is not some powerhouse. They're a good team without Messi. They're a good, solid national team not great not world beating but they ran over mexico so quickly four goals in a span of what 20 plus minutes and it was done i know tata martino's still trying to find his way a little bit with this team he's still figuring it out that's okay these games aren't life or death but it's really more about the mentality for mexico if things are going well they're going really well often. But when they struggle, oh, do they struggle. You've got to catch them on the right now. You've got to punch them in the nose quickly when you play them. But for the United States, I, I didn't hate what I saw against Mexico, and I really actually enjoyed the Uruguay match to a large extent. I thought Jordan Morris was lively, not just scoring the goal. That was kind of a fluke. Nick Lima made a good play on it. Oh, San Jose earthquakes again. But I liked a few of the things I saw out of Jackson Ewell and Josh Sargent running around a little bit. So not bad. Overall, it wasn't the worst, but the United States just not winning games right now. That's not the point. And again, I'm teetering a bit on Greg Burhalter Hey, we're going to talk with the LAFC's Vince LaRosa coming up next about some of the black and gold in the international window and what went down there, plus more of black and gold breakdown. We've got a giveaway, a money-can't-buy giveaway. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. All here today on Soccer Weekly. Dave Dunholm and you. ESPN LA 710. Don't forget, you can podcast the show anywhere your podcasting stuff works. Stitcher, iTunes, whatever. Go uh, search for Soccer Weekly. You can also use the ESPN Pod Center. Subscribe, rate, and review for the show. We appreciate that. We always appreciate the efforts of this fine young gentleman. Despite the fact he's a Juventus fan, he is the great LAFC Vince on Twitter, at LAFC Vince. Vince LaRosa from LAFC.com and a friend of the show and a friend of ours, Vince... Thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Always a pleasure to talk to you.
1: Oh, man, you made me feel good after calling me young just a few days after my birthday, but then you got to hit me with the low blow on the Juventus fan. <laughs> but I love it, Dave. That's why I love you.
0: Roma, baby. Always Roma. Forza Roma. That's, uh, that's my team. Uh... In Italy. But we move on from that because uh, we had a lot of international action for LAFC, highlighted by the fact that the uh, black and gold were severely undermanned, first of all, in that game most recently. Uh, on the road in Orlando, a a very tough game. But a 2-2 draw, you know, Vince, let's go back to that just briefly. i got to say, I thought it felt like a win. Sometimes a draw feels like a loss. Sometimes it feels like exactly what it is. And then sometimes it actually feels a little bit like a win. I thought that based on all the things, you know, that were going against LAFC going into the match, I thought it was kind of a victory, really.
1: Yeah, when you consider the,
0: like you just said, all
1: the guys that were out, the amount of starters, Carlos is obviously still on the men. Uh, but then also just the way we played. I mean, aside from about a 10-minute period where they just kind of lost focus and, and chipped those two goals, we bossed the action. And, and Bob Bradley, I think, was correct in saying that that third goal was, was on the offer for us and we could have been just a little bit sharper. Um, so when you think about a team that rotated that many players and still looks that cohesive and was bossing an Orlando team that absolutely needed a victory. They, they can't yeah. deal with a the tie. They, they definitely couldn't lose. But they're getting—they're having to put eight, nine men behind the ball to deal with our, uh, you know, severely rotated squad. That's got to be a, at least a moral victory in some regards. Even if uh, Bob Bradley looks at it as saying, like, we still want three points every time we hit the pitch.
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. It's—I it, am not the guy who, who loves draws on the road by any means. You should play for wins with three points for a victory. But it did feel like—I got to say though—even if you listen to the broadcast, you can kind of hear me pause when the Eddie Segura header. I thought it was going in. They would have won the game in the final seconds, but it just misses, and that's just the way it goes. So you take the two or the point, rather, uh, Vince. Let's look at these international uh, duty. For uh, speaking of all the guys that were gone, we saw Peter Lee Vassell get a goal and play pretty well in the uh, in the CONCACAF uh, Nations League. Along with the Nations League, we see Mark Anthony K. Vince finally John Herdman woke up for Canada. And he's slotting him back where Kay belongs, right? Is this? I hope this is a uh, back to reality here for Canada and keeping Mark Anthony in that midfield spot.
1: Absolutely. If he moves Mark back to left back, he should be oh. uh, reprimanded on the spot, uh, removed from his post because that, that this is going to be the way forward for Canada. And, and you know what's funny is Canada has a lot of nice pieces going forward. So it seems like if they can sort out their defense and, and find a left back, find a right back, which looks like they have. Um, by mm-hmm. inserting Mark Anthony into midfield, you're really going to connect those pieces. And, and you could make, make some noise, I think, Canada can. Because they, they have some guys going forward, and with Mark as kind of a linchpin, a guy that, that really covers a lot of ground, that's got to be the way forward for Canada. So it's really nice to see him get two matches, full 90 minutes uh, in central midfield.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, of course, they had to, their way with Cuba. Now, don't uh, be deceived by the second game, the 1-0, because uh, Daniel Henry kind of got a a red card uh, early enough in that game that it kind of slowed everything down for Canada, but they do grab the six points against Cuba. A reminder, the United States is in Canada and Cuba's group in the CONCACAF Nations League. That's one of the reasons we bring it up. So Mark Anthony does very well. He's way more comfortable there. I think Canada's getting more comfortable with that, and Alfonso Davies kind of being the engine there, the Bayern Munich uh, star, young star from uh, Vancouver, who's now get, just starting to get playing time significantly for Bayern, scoring some goals there so we move on let's uh, talk about brian rodriguez vince this one hits close to home obviously as he absolutely torpedoed a goal against the u.s last night for uruguay i mean talk us through it if you missed it i'll let vince uh, describe it a bit but wow what a game he had
1: i mean it was classic uruguay right lightning counter get it to your most skilled players uh, Brian Rodriguez is a player that if you give him the ball in space, 1v1, he's going to go at anybody. And Aaron Long is completely undressed. He cuts one way. Uh, back. The, the great thing about the goal is he cuts off his preferred right foot to his left foot and absolutely rips the cover off the ball. If you had any uh, worries that Brian might be a player that is, uh, you know wants to go one way or the other, he definitely dispelled those rumors because he absolutely clobbered that ball. I don't even, geez, I don't even know if Brad on saw it. Um, but that was a, that was a goal that, that really announced him, uh, on the world stage, because I know how, how excited he was to get, you know, to move to LAFC, but then also to find out days later he was going to get his first full call up, uh, to be able to capitalize on it with a goal and a goal where it was just a moment of kind of individual brilliance and technique, uh, that's going to go a long ways in, in what he wants to accomplish as a, as an Uruguay player, and I think, we always talk about, you know, we want LAFC players, even though we miss them in moments where we don't take full breaks, we want them to go play well for the national teams because they come back with a, a little bit of added confidence. And I think uh, for someone like Brian, who had to change countries, move far, far away from where he's, you know, been in his kind of safe space, um, he's going to really, this is going to buoy him. And this is just going to be very good news for LFC, especially going into times when we're going to need somebody like him as an impact player in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and it was a very good performance. The second best thing about that performance was Oscar Tavares took him out early enough that I didn't have to worry about an injury, because Vince, when he went down early in the game, not early, but earlier in the game, and I didn't know what it was at first, I about threw up in my mouth for a quick second there when Rodriguez went down. Thankfully, I mean, I feel bad for the guy. He got rocked in the throat, and that is not a good thing, but it wasn't like a knee thing or anything else, and they just took him out just because it was his time to kind of come out of a friendly. So that was good news for LAFC. Walker Zimmerman, I thought, Vince, if anybody looked good against the Mexico, which really nobody did, you know, looked great by any means. But I thought he actually had a good run against Mexico in that game, and it got away from the United States late. But that wasn't Zimmerman's doing. He was already out of the match. Yeah, he was already out of the match. I think uh, a lot of the talk's been about how the U.S. didn't deal well with uh,
1: Mexico's press. But I thought a lot of the coverage was maybe. I mean, it wasn't wrong, but they were saying things like, you know, you don't have good passer out of the back. Walker's a very good passer out of the back. I thought he dealt pretty well yeah. with pressure, um, and at times was put on an island when teammates didn't deal well with pressure. I mean, when you turn, well, the you ball can say in, it will trap.
0: You can, yeah, you can say it will trap. You can say the name. Yeah. That's okay. I'll say it for you. Uh, yeah, and, I've already talked about that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a good performance by him, and he kind of left Walker out to dry a lot quite frankly, in that well, match. Two, so.
1: two, uh, two Columbus players, or well, one former Columbus player. Zach Steffen's uh, idea of playing yeah. out the back is very different than mine. I, I know that they said that they didn't want to play it long, but, man, you don't send five, you're a goalkeeper. You don't send five-yard passes with the pressure that you're under. Um, so I think Walker, man, had to do some rever- emergency defending, and like you said, he was out of the match by the time they, they kind of really put, piled it on with those extra two goals. So I, I, thought he, I thought he did well, and I, I actually got a chance to talk to Walker just before he left. Um, it was right after that Minnesota game and I asked him, well, you know, what, what do you have to do, um, in this moment? You know, you lost the game, you're disappointed, but you're going to the national team. He goes, the only thing you can do is to absolutely shut out what just happened, be absolutely 100% a USA player, and then once that USA duty is done, you're absolutely an LSU player again. And that's the only way you can deal with international competition and being a, an international player, uh, that gets called in on a routine basis.
0: Sure, makes sense. I, I don't doubt about that. That sounds about right. Uh, one final guy to talk about. I don't know how much you were able to see because I, quite frankly, was digging around. I wasn't able to watch uh, some of the stream that was going on with the under-23s for Eduardo Atuesta finally getting called up with Colombia's under-23s. Did you hear anything? What's the latest? You know, I wasn't able to get much of a stream, but I think one thing we can take away from it was Edward was the captain of the side.
1: Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's a big, big deal. Um, before he left, we got to speak with him about uh, what the Olympics mean, uh, in South America, uh, the Olympics are a big, big deal. Um, I know in some countries, maybe in the U.S., we're just kind of blase about it because we've gone through so many Olympics and, and won so many medals. But in a place like Columbia, where they've never won an Olympic gold uh, in soccer, it's a big deal. So for him to be captaining that side, uh, it's just another step. In, in what his bigger goal is, is, is being part of that big, uh, you know, the, the senior squad.
0: Mm-hmm. Love that. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Always just cuts right to it, and he has great information. Check out his work for LAFC at LAFC.com. Check out his podcast with Max Brados, and check him out on Twitter at LAFC Vince. The great Vince LaRosa. Vince, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Dave. Always a pleasure. You bet. Check him out at LAFC.com. As I mentioned, on Twitter at LAFC Vince. Vince LaRosa, always on top of it for the black and gold. Speaking of which, black and gold breakdown still to come. We've got a giveaway A money-can't-buy giveaway as well, here on Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Substitution now. Look who's coming in. The young Uruguayan, 19 years old, Brian Rodriguez. His first appearance for LAFC. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Dunholm. That was Brian Rodriguez's first appearance for the Black and Gold. That was against the Galaxy a few games back. Rodriguez made an appearance and then some for Uruguay, taking on the United States in St. Louis last night. And he scored his first ever international goal for La Celeste. And, oh, what a goal it was, turning around Aaron Long from uh, the New York Red Bulls, like a spinning up like a top in the 18 and then blasting it past Brad Guzano, who was basically defenseless with a massive left foot. It was a th- absolute... Rocket, a, a lightning bolt. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. If you didn't see the game on FS1, oh my goodness, what a goal from Brian Rodriguez. And he is who I want to talk about right now in Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, break it down! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this right now. Well, obviously, we haven't seen a lot of Brian Rodriguez for LAFC since coming in on that multi million dollar transfer from Pena The same club that provided us Diego Rossi for the black and gold. So, look, you haven't seen a lot of him in MLS, right? He came in against the Galaxy. He played a half against Minnesota United. He's still got to find his way into the LAFC groove, which, as we all know, has been very groovy this year in MLS as the LAFC is marching towards the supporter shield as the next great thing that they got to worry about here and maybe breaking records in terms of goals and points for a season, we hope for uh, for LAFC. Now, Rodriguez, to me, as I looked at this guy playing with Uruguay against the U.S., now I'm not rooting for him then in terms of you know, I don't want him to beat the United States but boy, what a goal it was. You just In those kind of games, you're just praying that he doesn't get injured and he's completely healthy afterwards, so to score a goal like that was just the icing on the cake for him in a 1-1 draw. What I like about Brian Rodriguez just even in the short minutes I've seen him I saw him in the under-20 World Cup for Uruguay had a very nice run there played very well I like the fact that he can not only does he go after got people he goes after people with both feet and what I mean by that is how often do we hear of guys who like yeah put him to his left right force him to his right force him to his left it's his weak now granted Brian Rodriguez on his left foot is a thing of beauty and I would say that is his stronger foot no doubt But we saw the uh, shot against the Galaxy, in fact, just over the bar in a game with the right foot. Turned the defender and made him uh, think it was all left. And I love what he did to Aaron Long there. He uh, faked the right-footed shot, which was a position where he could have taken a shot, about 20 to 22 yards out. Instead, immediately cuts it back to his left. Perfect first touch to put it into the run of his left-footed blast, right? Because so often we see guys who are a little ahead of themselves, or they make that cut, it's a smart play, and yet their first touch to try to get themselves in a shooting position is off. And it doesn't have to be off by much. You might need another touch. Defender has time to close. It might be a little too far in front of you. You never get the shot off. The keeper comes out and eats it up. Or he cuts your angle down so dramatically that you have no real chance. Brian Rodriguez played that to perfection cutting back from his right foot onto his left and blasting it home with accuracy. And that's what I expect from this guy. And that is why LAFC, by all accounts, paid close to $10 million for him. Some reports had it a little more, some had it a little less. It's around eight figure. I mean, this guy, 19 years old, I should have asked Vince LaRosa about his tattoo game because his tat game is right on par. It's absolutely on point. Holy cow, how does a kid that young, have? how does a kid 19 years old have that much time in his life to get that many tattoos? <laughs> uh, he He is phenomenal. And he showed it there, and he's getting more and more confident. And that's what you need out of him for LAFC. Now, I don't even know. Here's the thing. This is not some kind of hedging my bet thing here. LAFC's got a good thing going, right? Of course you're going to use a guy like Brian Rodriguez if you brought him in at this time of the year. But, really, I'm not expecting Rodriguez to have the big impact until next season. Now, if he does, great. And I'm not I'm not saying if he's out there, he's got to play well, of course. If he's taking up minutes, I expect him to play well for the black goal, but I'm not expecting any kind of massive outburst, statistically or otherwise from Brian Rodriguez until he's really comfortable with this team and how Bob Bradley wants to use him. And I don't think that has to happen until next season. Now, it's good that he's here, even in training, getting some minutes, he'll get some time. Again, if he's out there, yeah, he's got to produce. But don't look for him to finish the season, you know, with 10 goals and four assists here in the final six. I mean, come on. Let's get him comfortable use him the way that you know is most beneficial to the team whatever that is whether it's 20 minutes a night or starting and going the full 90 and let's really get him ready for 2020 because i think he will be a breakout star absolutely no doubt in my mind he has all the tools and gifts to thoroughly to dominate an mls i'm not, not even just be good now, that doesn't mean the stats are going to always be. It's not going to be a Carlos Vela-like season. you know. That's hard to do in this league. That's why nobody's ever done it until now. But he is going to be that kind of dynamic player. I can assure you of that. Hey, we have still got an MLS expansion report card. You've got to talk about some of this expansion going on, and we have that giveaway, all that and more. I'm Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly on the home of the black and gold here on the Black and Gold Breakdown, ESPN LA 710. We're talking during the break a little bit, my producer Mario Riaz and I. And boy, time flies when you're talking soccer here on ESPNLA 710 here on Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm, joining you each and every week for an hour. The uh, best conversation you can have about the beautiful game. Segment four already. Holy cow, is it moving. And uh, don't forget, we still got stoppage time to come. But uh, right now, I want to talk about first the L.A. Care Injury Report. At L.A. Care, our mission has always been to provide quality, affordable health care coverage to all Angelenos. For more information, visit LACare.org today. La Care for all of L.A. You saw Brian Rodriguez for Uruguay in that U.S. game last night. He took a shot to the neck earlier in the game. He got up, though. I mean, the training staff checked him out. He did come back into the game right away. He was subbed out later after scoring that beautiful goal. But he looked okay, you know. So just, uh, you know, looked fine, all things being equal. LAFC, you know, still the question mark with Carlos Vela, the right hamstring strain. I think they've been very cautious. When it comes to Vela, why not? Right, you're in you're in the driver's seat. Obviously, for the supporter shield, you're looking good. Uh, no need to rush him back. Dayan Jakovic still questionable with the left adductor strain, and uh, those are the only two real uh, real question marks. Questionable for Philadelphia, who LAFC play on Saturday. Warren Crevalle and Matt Freeze, the uh, backup goalkeeper. So not a lot of injuries for Philadelphia Union. They look like they're going to be healthy. For that match, you'll hear it right here on ESPN LA, coming up on Saturday night for the black and gold. Now, as we look, uh, well, do I really want to taunt you anymore? Let's get right to it, shall we? Uh, we got a giveaway. Money Can't Buy VIP giveaway right now. Are you ready for your shot? And it LAFC Money Can't Buy experience, courtesy of ESPN LA 710 and the black and gold. Next Saturday, September 21st, LAFC is taking on Toronto FC back at bank, 730. The LAFC VIP experience includes two game tickets, an autograph ball signed by the entire Black and Gold squad, pre-match sideline access to watch the teams warm up from the sideline. Right now, we're looking for callers number seven and ten, both to win that LAFC VIP experience. You're both going to get two game tickets and an autograph ball, and you're going to be on the uh, sideline for the pre-game and watch them warm up. Callers number seven and ten at eight seven 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 ten ESPN. That's eight seven seven. Seven ten three seven seven six seven ten three seven seven six. That is the number. Caller number seven and ten, guys. And uh, those are the winners of the LAFC money can't buy experience here, courtesy of ESPNLA, LA. Seven ten and the black and gold. So thank you so much for listening. We appreciate that. We love to reward you, the loyal soccer fan here in Southern California. I want to talk a little bit about something. You know, we've kind of been dealing with international stuff all show. I do want to take a look at something a little bigger than just standings or individual games and what's going on in MLS. It's the expansion in Major League Soccer. I know it's a popular thing to talk about in a lot of ways, but I want to look at it right now. And I want to kind of just, let's break this down a little bit. I want to give an expansion report card. Some of it's way early, obviously, but hey, it's sports talk radio, right? We can do it. And some of it we have a chance to kind of take a better look at. And I'll start with FC Cincinnati. Their first year in the league after having a good run in USL and kind of really building the franchise up from grassroots. Well, their first run in MLS looks like a team that came from USL and is getting their head trounced in MLS. One of the worst teams uh, in league history, realistically. 5-21-3 currently. They're awful at home. They're awful on the road. They've just been awful. They're minus 43 goal difference. They're going to break the record for goals allowed in all likelihood. They've only got 18 points on the sea. I mean, it's been a mess. Despite the fact that they won their second match in history in MLS. It's not been a good run. They've already changed managers. To me, the re- I don't grade FC Cincinnati just on their record, okay? It's been a bad year that way. But I don't understand if they understood what it really was going to take, the way they built the team. Now, you can make arguments that some markets are not going to be able to spend like laFC or Atlanta. okay, I understand that. They may have to take a more diligent approach, but it is not it's not been good. When you are bringing up the manager from where you were, you're firing him already, it's it doesn't bode well. And now I know they're trying to kind of do a reboot here with uh, some Dutch influence, which. I really think could be a good a good thing. I, I like what I've seen so far out of the, kind of this reboot. So all things being equal, maybe it'll work out for them. But I thought they just kind of were throwing darts at a dartboard a little too much. And it, it, look, they have the fan base. That's the thing about FC Cincinnati that they are kind of blessed with, really, that this fan base is really, really good and really, really hungry and smart and they know what it's going to take, but I think the the danger of it is sometimes with this, you know, for lack of a better word, maybe a smaller kind of club. You know, they got to be careful with how they spend their money in a, in ways they can't just go out and go crazy. But some of that, the danger of that is they take that fan base for granted that they're going to give them too many, you know, passes if you will, or mulligans. And FC Cincinnati is going to have to get that straightened out very quickly very quickly because you cannot have this kind of stuff going on i mean they brought in guys that are waving or you know and again first year in mls but a lot of dartboard a lot of dart throwing at the dartboard and it just has not worked out at, at all realistically so it's almost a reboot again for 2020 now they have some of the pieces in place, like i said new manager ronjans new you know back uh in uh, you know the front office people and stuff so We'll see how it goes. Right now, for FC Cincinnati's transition into MLS, it's a D minus. And the only thing keeping them from an F is the fans of FC Cincinnati. Let's take a look at some of the other expansion teams. Now, granted, these teams have yet played. And I want to bring in uh, Mario, talk a little bit about this, Mario. And I want to kind of highlight and juxtapose a little bit of FC Cincinnati with them as well. But Nashville, Austin, and Inter-Miami, right? Right, right. So all of a sudden now, Mario, all we're hearing about Inter Miami is a couple of the young players they've signed already, right? These kids from Argentina who are really highly thought of, highly touted prospects, 18, 19 years old, uh, international player they're signing. And, you know, Austin hires Josh Wolfe as their manager. Okay, maybe he's going to be a great manager. Who knows? Give him the benefit of the doubt. Nashville, Okay, they signed it. You know, they did sign an international, uh, recently. But I understand it's Miami, Mario, and maybe that's all it is. Meaning the city itself, right? That's a
2: huge part of it. Yeah, I guess. Right? It, Soccer it, players it, around the world, football players around the world, love them some Miami. That's for they're sure. They're not going to Austin. Yeah, I mean that's the problem, though, isn't it? Is that all it is, realistically? That's
0: kind of the difference, I guess. Well,
2: Miami and the name David Beckham as well. Yeah, no,
0: but that's what I mean. He's talking. The rumors are flying around about Leo Messi. He's oh my not going, you know. Yeah. He's not going to Nashville ever. <laughs> you know, I mean. And again, no disrespect to Nashville, SC. I hope they're tremendously successful. He's not going to Austin ever. He's not going to the Dynamo. You know, if he ever comes up, he's not going to the Rapids. But he can and possibly will go to Inter Miami. That's you know? some football
2: cheesement for you right there, Messi yeah. in Miami with well, David I mean, Beckham. Seen,
0: yeah, you've seen the rumors flying, and yes. Uh, We heard the stories about how Messi can leave after this season on a free from FC Barcelona. You'd be foolish not to go after him. In fact, every MLS team should be going after Messi. I don't even care if he says no, if you're the Chicago Fire or if you're whoever,
2: maybe a smaller, you know what I mean? Everybody should be going after this dude. Pay him whatever he wants. Can Miami really compete with Barcelona and what they can offer for Messi? Well, it's not only that, though. At this point... Does Messi really want to stay at Barca any longer? And I know that sounds
0: crazy, but... And they want to keep him to the end of his yes, career. Yeah, <laughs> of course. He's pretty much done all he can for them, in a sense. Right? He's still... He's still got it, obviously. So, he, you know, he doesn't want to necessarily come over to MLS too late if he ever does want to make the move. And that's not to say he ever does. Maybe he never will. Right? He may end up just staying at Barcelona the rest of his life. He's only 32. You know, He's not 38. So who knows?
2: Now, are you saying it's because you want to see him in
0: MLS now? Yes, 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 (laughs) yes, of course, of course. Of course. I hope these rumors that are flying around are absolutely true. And even though it's not LAFC or what, I hope he gets to Inter-Miami. Fine. If he goes to Inter-Miami, fine. Oh, boy, I got to tell you. But that's the difference. And that is what FC Cincinnati and teams like Austin and Nashville and now St. Louis even have to face. And it's an uphill battle.
2: Cincinnati gets an F in my in my opinion. Yeah, D minus. The fans are great. I'll Goals against seventy two in twenty nine uh, matches played. Come on, Oh, uh, that's why he's the great Mario Reese. He'll be
0: coming up next in stoppage time here on Soccer Weekly with Dave Denholm on ESPN LA seven ten. Rolling on here on Soccer Weekly ESPN LA seven ten. If you missed any part of the show, don't forget you can always uh, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or the ESPN Pod Center or wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Soccer Weekly with Dave Dunham and subscribe, rate, and review it. You can also follow me on Twitter and continue the conversation after the show at TalkSoccer on Twitter. And uh, also Instagram, Dave underscore Denholm. Time now for Stoppage Time. What time is
2: it? it's Stoppage Time! Yeah, it's Stoppage Time! It's Stoppage Time! Right now!
0: Joining me is the producer of this show, the producer of LAFC football here on ESPN LA, and the host of Stoppage Time, the great Mario Reeves. You heard him just a few minutes ago. Mario, what's up, buddy?
2: Feeling good, my man. Feeling good. How are you?
0: I'm feeling good. I don't know if we should be feeling good about the United States.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we did get a chance to watch, what, two games here in the past few days? A 1-1 draw to Uruguay and a 3-0 loss to Mexico. And Dave, I just... I need to see a little bit more before I start feeling good about qualifying for the oh, World Cup, Dave. Oh, oh, you're going there, Mario. Well, I got to be honest with you. In about the first 30 minutes
0: of the Mexico match, I actually was thinking the same thing. I'm worried. You know, I believe we can never miss the World Cup again. We never, not, you know, ever. No, and yet I'm not 100 percent sure. We got work to do, Dave. Yeah, but it reminded me about the Concacaf format, which. For the most part, United States fans won't really notice a difference. What happens is they switch the format for qualifying out of CONCACAF. We have our three and a half spots for That's 2022. Right. Well, Mario, the first three have always gone to the top three out of the final six. We call it the hexagonal, right? The best yes. six all through qualifying. They get to that final six. You play 10 matches. Top three are automatic. Then the fourth place is usually the team that goes and plays like a South American sixth place team or whatever. You know, it's been a two leg top. Well, now what CONCACAF is doing is the top six ranked in the FIFA rankings will make it to the hexagonal. No one else. This is not a round robin. This is just becomes the top six in the June 2020 FIFA rankings automatically go into that final six. Now, if you're thinking, if you're CONCACAF, you're like, wait a minute, I, I love the Virgin Islands. They're never going to be in the top six. That's not fair. Or Cuba or... Haiti or the Dominican Republic, maybe. No, here's the good thing. 7 through 35 will now play round-robin, you know, the two the two things, get it all down to, uh, you know, blasting through, and those teams will meet up, and the winner of that will play the fourth-place finisher in the hexagonal in two games. I know it sounds complicated, but then that winner will go play the South America, or whoever, the half thing it actually gives canada if they're not in the top 6 or a better chance to qualify for the world cup and i love it i really do so it got me thinking about that again i just wanted to remind everybody about the changes for concacaf mario but you're you're we'll be in the top 6 right we're going to go right to the hexagonal but your point is very valid i'm not sure we're a shoe in to make the world cup in 2022 by any means
2: I mean, I see. You know, we have guys like Polisic and you know Trap and a few other guys, but I'm not seeing all the pieces we need around these guys to really, really give me that confidence moving forward. Yeah, it's kind of weird if you look back at the last generation.
0: And I know people like to pick on Michael Bradley or something. Now maybe he's getting up there in age a little bit. You know, or Clint Dempsey obviously is retired from football, but those guys were uh, they were better than what we have now. Bottom line, I mean, we were better. Five, six, seven years ago, Landon Donovan, of course, and all that back. Even you know, before Jurgen Klinsmann made the bonehead move of not taking him to the World Cup, we were better seemingly. And I, I mean, we should be better now as the world, you know, the country grows into soccer, and yet it's just not meshing. Oftentimes,
2: it's kind of scary, really. And it's you a know? shame because we have a, such a great player in uh, Pulisic, and he's yeah. Not- and I, but I think we have the talent.
0: I look, if Berhalter is not the right guy, it's going to be a struggle. It doesn't matter what kind of talent you have if the manager doesn't do right by them, we're going to struggle, but I do believe we have the talent in this country. I really do. Where we're going to we should be able to walk through the hex with Mexico and be the one too. I mean, look, you might lose to Mexico, you know, they might be the best in the hex. You should have no trouble qualifying for the World Cup, Mario. That's the bottom line. And it, it, there's no way we should be thinking this way in late 2019. And yet you're, we're right to think it. We should not be having these issues right now. That's the bottom line.
2: Unacceptable.
0: Yeah, too much talent. And again, I don't know that Greg Berhalter isn't the right, you know, coach. I actually didn't hate him being hired, but boy, there is a lot on his shoulders. And I don't know that he's. I don't know if his temperament maybe is uh, kind of bothers me at times. Maybe he's a little analytical for my tastes. To be honest, I'm not saying he should be out there screaming and yelling like crazy on the sidelines. I don't mean that, but it's almost a little too like. Think of it as a chessboard here. Sometimes you really just uh, it does take a little bit more guts and we'll see what happens. But boy, I hope he's the right guy for the job. Mario Reese is always the right guy for stoppage time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Dave. I am Dave Dunholm. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget check out the podcast, Soccer Weekly. Hit me up on Twitter at Talk Soccer. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA seven ten.